This is your spiritual game plan, and I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher. Change. It happens to all of us. You've invested your time and energy into an important role, sometimes for years, then suddenly it's time for you to move on. Maybe you've worked hard on a dream, and now your path is taking a new turn, but that dream isn't going with you. Perhaps you've raised your kids, and they've moved on, but now your empty nest is filled with parent care. Maybe you're in the middle of diaper changes and laundry piles. If you find yourself asking questions like, where do I fit in anymore? Am I even relevant? How do I find my purpose now? You are in the right place. This is a show for women in a season of transition. I believe that while your roles in life will change, your purpose is eternal. I'm here to help you understand just how intentionally you were made by a creator with a game plan. Through interviews and inspirational guests, we'll discover ways to help you unlock the purpose God placed in you, develop a game plan for your life calling, and embrace the intentional masterpiece you were created to be. I'm so glad you're here for my very first podcast, episode 101. I'm going to talk to Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, a board-certified internal medicine physician, speaker, and author. And we're going to be talking today about her book, Sacred Rest. We're going to help you understand how to recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity. We're going to be talking about seven types of rest needed to optimize your productivity and overall happiness. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure you'll enjoy our time with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Hi, I'm Sherry Fletcher, and today I have the honor of talking with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us today. Hi, Sherry. Glad to be here. Thank you. So I came to find out who you were one day when I was watching you being interviewed on Hope Writers Interview. They do a Tuesday teaching, and at that time in my life, um, I had been burning the candle at both ends. And I had been told to medically stop. They just said, my doctor said, you have to be still. And that was about the same time that I ran across you being interviewed and sharing um, your story in the sacred rest. And um, like I mentioned in the introduction, this is a part one of two part series. And today we're going to be discussing the importance of the fact that rest is actually a strength and not a weakness. And that is, is just so under, um, it's important to understand. But Dr. Sandra, you are a wife, mm-hmm. a mom of two active boys, and that's probably all I need to say, because I have two boys as well. On top of that, you're an international speaker, an um, internal medicine doctor, an author, and, um, a fee- and you are an expert on this topic of rest. But by everything I've mentioned, it kind of seemed like that would just be impossible for you to even do for yourself. <laughs> so, um, you know, of all the people that need, that need rest, it's, you're the one that I would think needs it very well. So today I have uh, so many questions to ask you. Yes. Everything you have is awesome. But what I am going to say, because I can't ask you enough, is buy the book. I have gotten several of these copies for friends and there's just so much golden 
truth in this book. So we're going to start out with the practice of rest. Um, how does that look in your life with all of the roles that you have? Well, I think you're right. Um, I do need a lot of rest. And I think that's why I probably end up writing, writing a book about it because that is an ongoing battle for me. I am an Enneagram 3 type A personality. I'm always wanting to check the things off the box and I got a list of goals a mile long and they're always a list a mile long. If something gets checked off, I just add something else. So that's my normal personality. And for, for me to you know, be talking about rest, I got to that point because I burned out. And then when I burned out, I still had to figure out kind of what, what do I need to do to recover from that burnout? And how do I recover without having to quit all of the things I love? And I think that's why really this discovery on rest and the types of rest kind of came to in my life. And so my daily rest habit is more of that of trying to live a lifestyle of rest, not trying to kind of have this, um, this specific thing that I do, but really just kind of doing a daily self-analysis of what feels depleted, what feels drained, what kind of, kind of tired am I? You know, one day, like recently, I just had some book some writing projects and I had a lot of writing to do. So my creative rest got disturbed quite a bit because I was constantly pulling on the creative aspect of me. And so, you know, what I did that particular day, I spent an entire like 30 minute period looking at pictures of islands and beaches and water. <laughs> I had my kids pull up like, what is a cool place you'd want to go? And they're pulling up Antigua and Bora Bora and all of these pictures. And what they didn't realize is they were helping mom get creative rest because I get creative rest when I see scenes of nature and specifically the beach and oceans. That's where I like wow. to get filled back up. So that's kind of how I sneak in the rest in the middle of my day. I don't try to kind of figure out these extra times to take, you know, take a vacation or do anything like that. It's integrated within my, my work and my life. Um, you know, if it's a social rest deficit that I'm having, earlier this week, I, I spent a lot of time teaching and training and doing things with, with some of my coaching clients. I then had to kind of make some room um, in my day to break away with a couple of girlfriends and do a Skype just to pray, you know, just to hang out with each other, just to complain about our husbands and, and do girl <laughs> stuff together, you know? So, so it was, it's, it's really a day-to-day -day process of figuring out what is it I need today to, to pour back into me that doesn't have to have permission or doesn't have to make sense to anybody else, but I know I need it to feel better. Gosh, there's so much into that, that, that pours into you that doesn't have to make sense. Um, we could go another whole half hour on that topic. Cause a lot of times <laughs> when it comes to the topic of rest, I feel like I have to justify why I'm taking it. No, don't justify yeah. it. Just experience it. I was saying yes. rest, you should be able, you should be able to tell when you've had rest, because when you leave that moment, you should feel better than how you were when you first entered it. So if you say you're going to get rest in some area, that area of your life should feel restored. It should feel rejuvenated. It should feel re-energized. It should have one of those rewords in front of Ooh, it yeah, the re so that you, you come out of that like, okay, I know that I got something. I'm coming out fuller than how I entered. And, you know, nobody can justify that because nobody knows what you're feeling. Right. 
Um, and that's one thing that helped me with your book was I did, I really believed that I would have to um, explain myself and give reasons why I was taking a break from something or not, or saying no to something or, mm -hmm. and understanding, I don't need to say why. Uh, I, and even, um, we'll get this part in, in part two, where you talk about the different kinds of rest, but even understanding um, some of the rests I need to take from relationships that are that are very draining, mm -hmm. not getting rid of the relationship, but understanding where I'm at before I partake in, in aspects where those people are. Oh, um, so true. So true. That was a huge one for me, really kind of getting a clear understanding of who are the people who are draining me and who are the people that are filling me and then not casting judgment on the people that are draining me right. like they're negative people but it's just the nature of the relationship that they require things from me. And then there's those people who don't require as much and you know, you feel better when you're spending time with them. So that was huge for me as well. Cause you don't think about your relationships. Like no. that. You just kind of, you just deal with them yeah. and just kind of take whatever comes your way. And I think it's important to really see how you're feeling within those relationships. Yeah, that was huge for me. So sacred rest is not your only book you've written Three books total, what are the other two? My very first book was Set Free to Live Free, Breaking Through the Seven Lies Women Tell Themselves. And that was, um, that was interesting because that was the first book that I wrote and it was really about my faith journey uh, and my journey as a woman in my career, kind of coming to that point of understanding that a lot of the mind talk and the, a lot of the the belief systems that I had didn't line up with the word of God and were limiting me in being able to advance not only within my personal life, but in my professional life. So that was the first book. And then the second book's a devotional. It's called Come Empty, Pour Out Life's Hurt and Receive God's Healing Love. And that one was more of a, it was a book to me and to my patients in that I wanted to address a lot of the areas where pain seemed to be keeping people in a stuck place because I know that's where I was for a very long time, kind of trapped in my own pain or, you know, spirit, some people call them soul wounds or heart wounds. And so I like to, to dive into those and just really kind of confront them head on with the word of God and what is God saying? So that particular book, I divided it up so that it starts off with a, your heart's cry, which is basically somebody saying how they truly feel. It's kind of the gloves off part of religion where you're, just saying how you feel and, you know, the giving God the truth of where you're at, that's not always so pretty. And then um, it's the second part is his reply, which is basically from scripture, his reply to your pain. And then it has some discussion questions and kind of a word for the day, a prayer for the day rather to close it up. That is awesome. So many times we read books on prayer. I like that, but I haven't really saw one that had a reply. That's really, I like that. Thank you for sharing that. So, so um, some of the questions that I've chosen for you, um, I think are really gonna help the ladies um, in my ministry and those that are watching, um, because a lot of women believe that they find their value and their relevance, it's found in the busy. Mm -hmm. And so when we uh, hear that we need rest, we see that as a weakness and, um, there's one chapter in your book that I underlined the most, and that was the gift of acceptance. And that's one area that I struggle is, is accepting 
the gift of rest. And the statement that you put, uh, made in there that really struck out to me was that purpose is woven into our DNA. And that just fully encompasses Ephesians 2.10. And when I talk to um, ladies about their purpose, a lot of them tell me that they, they need to find it. And so when I ask them what they think it is, I get a list of roles that they currently have or have had. And so to me, that shows me that they really see their value in the busyness or the role that they have. And if those roles are taken from them or they run their course of time, they start feeling uh, like they don't have any purpose and they, they just kind of get anxious. And that's when you hear the statements, I've got to find my purpose. And so mm -hmm. I would love to hear your take on how accepting this gift of rest is so vital to our self-worth. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I, I, I love that you actually picked out kind of that, that portion of it where it's talking about purpose, because for me, that was one of the biggest battles. I really kind of had this mindset that my worth was wrapped up in my um, work. Mm -hmm. And so if I the more I worked, the more valuable I was. And the problem with that is that if you're trying to prove your worth and your value through work, you will never get there because, right. because it's just not true. So it's like chasing this imaginary finish line and, and you're never going to get there. You're always going to feel like you're losing. And I, and I think that's where many of us spend a lot of our effort. Um, and what really kind of helped me with that was this, this concept of with purpose kind of just being a part of who we are. It's like we can't separate ourselves from it. Mm -hmm. it it's like you said, it's like our DNA. We cannot separate ourselves from it because really our ultimate purpose is simply to praise and glorify God. Yes. And that's independent of any role. Yes. It's independent of any work. And I think that's really the understanding that we ultimately have to get to. We may... We may do that as we're working as well, but we don't have to be working to praise and glorify God. Well, that's why I tell women, my tagline is your, your roles in life are going to change, but your purpose is eternal. It's what you bring to that role. So when the role leaves, your purpose doesn't leave. And um, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we're a masterpiece. I mean, no one, no artist or any designer or any creator makes something without an intention behind it. You don't make a masterpiece and go, hmm, where should I put this? I'll just leave it in the corner until I figure that out. You know, if we have an intentional God that had an intention for us, and it says that in Ephesians 2.10, he, he created us with a plan beforehand. Absolutely. And so that's what I just, I love that chapter and just being able to accept the gift of rest and, and restore and that we, so that we can live out who we are. And, um, with that said, I'm a type A, I'm a Martha. Um, my, I am too. <laughs> so acts of service is my love and my love language. And you mentioned in the book that you like to have a plan and I love to have a plan. So like I mentioned, um, when I got where I got to where the doctor said, you're burning candles at both ends. That was about three years ago. I had to, that really had to, I had to pivot. I had to figure out and I, uh, I thought something was wrong with me. Mm -hmm. um, because I was so physically exhausted, whereas before I was the energizer bunny, you know, my mom <laughs> said I quit napping at 18 months. I mean, who had time for napping, right? <laughs> but now I was just falling asleep when I sat down and I couldn't stay awake past 730. And um, I wanted the doctor when I went to see the doctor for him to say, oh, you can take this pill and, you know, 
and keep going. But he said, no, no pill. You need to stop. Good for him. <laughs> any of them would have thrown a pill at you. <laughs> yeah. And so I was, well, I was on that stop that I was looking at more hope writers, watching more interviews. And I saw you and I saw the book. I even took the book to my doctor. He has a copy oh, in his awesome. office. Yes. And so I was reading your book, but I was reading like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. And um, you have a story too that, that made you have to even come up with this concept of sacred rest. So share your story. I'm assuming you're referring to the one on the floor? Yes, the one on the floor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did, when you mentioned about the plan, I was like, is she going with the baby plan or the one on the floor? Or both. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, you know, after both of my kids were, were born, you know, I, I prayed for my children for a very long time. They did not come easily. So when they were born, you know, I had everything that I told God I'd wanted at that point, as far as, you know, family and kids and, and, you know, the career and all of these things. So everything that had been on kind of my major life goal list had been checked off at that stage. And it was weird because that one day I'd come home after picking up my kids from daycare and a full day at the office working. And I drove home and I got home and I got out the car. I was just like, you know, God, is, is, is this what I've been building? You know, is, is this what I've been praying for? Is this what I really wanted? Because it's, it's nothing like, you know, <laughs> I imagined it would be, you know, it wasn't full of like happiness and joy and peace. It was exhausting. I was, uh, I was burned out, burned out. I mean, I felt like I had nothing left. And I can even remember telling my husband that one evening at home, we were like right before going to bed and I don't know, he was trying to be affectionate. And I'm like, I, I don't have time for this. Like, I have nothing left to give you. I gave it all out at the office and with the kids. And the look on his face was like, you know, like, like oh, wow. So, you know, it was that day, it just seemed like everything just kind of compounded. And I remember putting the kids in front of the TV and just going and laying out on the hardwood floor in the foyer. And I was just laying there and I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I, I am exhausted. My body physically hurts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so exhausted. My, I couldn't, kept, I mean, my thoughts were all jumbled up and I had brain fog and, and I'm laying there and I'm like, I, you know, if this is as good as it gets, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, I, people sometimes ask me, well, were you, were you depressed or were you suicidal or what, you know, and I'm like, well, no, I didn't have a plan of harming myself. I was just done. You know, I was just at the end of my rope. And I remember, you know, in that moment of laying on the floor, it was, it was as if the, it was the first time I think that I stopped long enough to even, to even inquire of God, if we're going to be completely honest, yeah. to even bring him into the equation. I mean, I was going to church and I loved God and, and I was doing Bible study and all sorts of different activities, but I think it was the first time I had actually stopped long enough to ask him for any kind of advice on this situation that I was in. And I just felt in that moment, that's what I, I felt like Holy Spirit was saying to me. It's like, this is the first time you've, you, you've been still. And you know, that scripture, be still and know no, kind of yep. comes to mind. It's like, this is the first time you have been still. I can't help you if you don't allow me room to help you. And so it was you know, kind of during that time frame that it's just got this holy peace that came over me. And I laid there and I wept and my husband comes over home and he's like, 
you know, <laughs> I kids are in front of the TV and these are toddlers. I mean, they're like two, like one in like uh, my youngest, my kids are 21 months apart. So one was like two and the other one was like, or one was uh, two, but like almost three. And the other one was just barely uh, after one. So they were sitting there just kind of doing their own thing. And I'm weeping on the floor. And, you know, it was, and my husband was just like, I don't know what's happening here, but, but we're going to leave her be because something's going on on that floor. And honestly, God was just re rearranging my whole kind of theology on what peace looked like. Because in that moment, peace came to me laying on the floor weeping. Um, because I think it was the first time that I realized that, you know, I, I needed to, to reevaluate my life and what I thought was success and what what a, a good life looks like and what it should feel like. Because, you know, on the outside, it looked really good. My life looked great. You know, everybody would have said, oh, she's so successful. But it felt horrible to live. And I know that wasn't God's best for me. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, yeah, what I was talking about with the plan is like, I had this plan and God's like, oh, okay, that's nice for you and your sweet little plan. <laughs> and crashing wasn't. In fact, uh, my friends all started getting me be still and no pillows and shirts. And one got me a fake tattoo to put on my feet so that I'd look down and stop. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. We should get our tattoos on our feet. But, um, but being still was not my plan or, or actually what I, the weakness wasn't my plan. What I saw as weakness wasn't mm -hmm. my plan. And yet what God has taken out of that, like with your book and with your understanding of rest has just been such a gift. Um, and it's something that I still have to work on daily to accept because I oh, still want to try. You do. And I, you know, I think that's the thing. It's, this is not a one and done, you know, yeah. it's not like, oh, I figured out how to get rest and now I've got that and I can check it off my list because our rest is like constantly under attack. You know, we talk about different ways that the enemy kind of attacks us. I think this is one of the key ways he attacks us because it is so easy to be busy. You know, you don't have to try hard to be busy, no. to stay preoccupied, to keep your mind full of activities, keep your hands always into something. Busy comes extremely easy for most of us, but trying to figure out how to be well rested, that is a battle. Yeah. And it, it requires really some very intentional some intentional activities and intentional thoughts about how you're going to go about it and how you're going to maintain it. Yeah. And in, in part two, we'll go through those seven, those seven types of rest because being aware of those, I'm in tune now when I, when, when something's going on, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's where I'm, I'm um, deficient mm -hmm. and I got to stop. And it has just been so helpful. So I have mentioned to you that um, I grew up keeping and I continue to keep a 24 hour Sabbath. And as I continue to mature in my faith and through the process of this book and being still, I've really come to appreciate, like I said, that this, that rest is a gift mm -hmm. and it's so much more than just a physical ceasing of labor. And so um, I would love for you to share a little bit of wh what you meant when you're talking about, and I'm referring to your time with Katie Reed, um, the the unwilling that some of us are unwilling to remember a Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, I think it's, I think that's part of the battle. You know, when we're, 
that the whole concept of remembering the Sabbath, you know, it requires us to actually to carve out a, like a sacred place. Mm -hmm. You know, I call the book Sacred Rest because I, I do believe it is a sacred thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, if we can carve out time for our, you know, our Bible studies and we can call, carve out time for going to our church services and those things. But then when we talk about carving out time for Sabbath, it's almost like we're like, oh, that, no, that's too hard. Mm -hmm. Now you've asked a hard thing. <laughs> yeah, I can do those other things, but now you're kind of stepping on my toes. But, and the thing is, that is the one that he told us to remember, remember. Yeah. because he knows the value of it. I mean, rest is, is literally from the beginning. We're in chapter one of Genesis when yes. we get the concept of rest. So it is from the very beginning. Work doesn't even come into play, you know, until after that. So I, I think it's important to, to really kind of think about what's keeping us unwilling. I think for me, the biggest part of that was I, I didn't want to really recognize how closely connected rest and trust are. Mm. You know, I often said, oh, I trust God. You know, I, I trust God to, to take care of me and my family, and I trust God to do this, that, or the other. And I said it, but then when it came time to rest, my reluctance was because I felt like if I didn't keep doing my portion of the work, then, then it wouldn't stay at the same level, that it wouldn't be maintained. Like some way I had to kind of keep it elevated or it was all going to crash down. And that's not a sign of trust. <laughs> the opposite of trust. That's, you know, that's completely you trying to be in control. And I think that's, a, that's part of the unwillingness. We really have to get really truthful about where is it that we still struggle to trust God in our lives and what are some things we can do to start kind of opening our hands up so that every part of our life we say, God, you know, here it is. I don't want to have to uphold, try to even uphold all of this. I know that I'm having to depend on you. That's beautiful. And you know, as a parent, because we're parents, so I think we understand the heart of God. We will want our kids to depend on us. We want them to feel safe and just even spend some time with us and just not have to carry such heavy burdens, but yet we don't allow that of our own Heavenly Father. That's so true. And you know what? During this time with all of this, you know, COVID-19 and everything that's going on, and especially with I have kids that are high schoolers, so they're all home, you know, at this point. <laughs> It's, it's really interesting to me when I, when, when I'm talking with them and, you know, we're hanging out and laughing and just having fun, how carefree they are. And, you know, I was mentioning, I was saying that to my husband, I was like, it must be nice to be, to be that age when you don't have a care in the world, you know, people are losing jobs, all this stuff's happening. They don't have a care in the world. And he was like, cause my husband was like, cause they know we're going to take care of it. <laughs> and it hit me at that moment. I was, it's almost like Holy Spirit said, yep. And I do the same thing. <laughs> like you can have that same level of joy and just carefree spirit and just trust me, trust me that I've got you. Does it mean that everything's going to look the same? Because, you know, right now their entire lives are completely different with yeah. school, you know, two months of school at home. They've never been homeschooled. So completely different. Couldn't see any of their friends for months on end. Uh. Um, so everything changed. And it was just a really beautiful picture for me to see that because sometimes that's how our lives are. Everything's changed. Nothing looks like we thought it was going to look. 
And God still says, I got you. I, I still know the beginning from the end, and I'm still going to take care of you, even if it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look. Ah, that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for talking with me in part one. And we're going to head over into part two. Um, like I said, there's so much more that we could cover just in each chapter of the book. So um, I'm encouraging you to go out and get a copy of this book. And there's going to be information on the show notes on how you can get um, in touch with the ministries that Dr. Sandra is in and follow um, her sites. And so that will all be in the notes. And so thank you so much for taking the time. And we'll uh, continue this in part two.